When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Has it sunk in yet? The Braves are champions of the world. You ain't lying. I mean, I'm at all. Like, I don't know how long. Probably won't ever set in. I think this is a moment for history, you know? Now that everybody's had a little bit of time to come up for air, welcome to Episode 20 of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution Braves Report Podcast presented by Kroger. I'm Jay Black with Braves beat reporter Gabe Burns. And uh, Gabe's finally safe and sound back from Houston as we get ready for a parade. And Gabe, I guess the overarching theme of this podcast is to, to steal a line can you believe what you just saw? It's it's remarkable. Uh, what a run this was. Obviously, it's going to be talked about for the rest of time here in Atlanta. And, you know, you look back, especially when you're uh, around 30 like me and you're, you're growing up and you always hear about 95 and people growing up are always going to hear about this 2021 team. And this story is, I mean, you really couldn't have, you couldn't have written a better script for kind of a comeback story and a team that, you know, all the cliches, overcoming the odds and, and all that stuff and beating the, beating the Dodgers and then you're playing the Astros. I mean, just every narrative around it, all the stories are great. They're going to be told for years upon years. The guys on this team are going to be remembered forever. Tyler Matzek is going to be a, a Braves icon now. Um, whatever happens with Solaire and Rosario this winter, they're going to be remembered for the rest of Braves history. Freddie Freeman now. Um, he was already one of the greatest Braves of all time, but he just keeps climbing the list, right? He's got his ring now. And, and Brian Snitker joins uh, Bobby Cox as manager to deliver Atlanta title, and his story is obviously the best one of the bunch. So just a lot of just a lot of really uh, amazing details in this. And, you know, Atlanta has its uh, has its second major championship here. I, I think I've watched that video of from the uh, Champagne Celebration with Brian Snitker hoisting the trophy about 30 times. And just seeing the joy in his face and, and, and wondering how all – I can't even fathom all that he's gone through and then to finally have a payoff. Yeah, he, he's a guy he, – he, there were times he thought this wasn't going to happen. I mean, it does – you do – you know, I guess you do reach a point when you've done it for so long that you just kind of accept what is. It's really – it is truly an incredible story. Um, you know, hats off to him. It's a, just a story of sacrifice and persistence and just everything that – you know, his family, you know, that his wife, Ronnie, did, and he always credits her. And it's just a really, really, just a really nice story. And he'll be able to take that trophy and, and show it to Bobby, which is what he said. And, you know, in, in sports writing, obviously, we're not rooting for teams, but, you know, you can root for good people. And, you know, it, it is good to see uh, Snit come out and, and to have a moment like that and, and be you know, be one of the few managers in the, in the history of baseball to have a championship. I mean, that that's pretty cool. We talked with Mark Bradley last weekend uh, after game four, and he shared with us what the top three moments on his Braves podium were. Then it was Sid Slid in 92, the 95 World Championship, and, and he put Swanson and Solaire going back-to-back in game four in the seventh inning on his podium. Do we have a change now in the top three? Uh, I'm not sure. I, I, I mean, I think Mark would probably – uh, when he comes back on here, uh, he would def- certainly be a guy to uh, 
talk with that about just because he's obviously been been through uh, more of it, so I can't rightly compare. This World Series, though, I mean, there were a lot of good moments in it. I do think uh, Dansby and Soler, that one is about, I would guess that's probably the one that will be remembered, the, the kind of sequence that, we will, that will be remembered best. Uh, Max Freed, um, you know, he has his ankle stepped on. I'm not sure how, you know, it feels like that's kind of forgotten in a lot of ways. Braves were this close to having two pitchers break their leg in the World Series. Yeah, yeah. So he, he gets stepped on and he just keeps dealing. Um, and then Soler, I mean, that home run that he hit in game six, that one, I mean, that's one you're going to see aired for quite a while, too, the one that cleared the stadium. I mean, the, obviously he was World Series MVP. He hit three home runs. He became the first player to homer in the first plate appearance of a World Series. He hit the one that was the difference in game four, and then he opened the scoring with a three-run shot in game six. You can't really, you can't really do much more than that. So he he was I mean he was stellar and you know we'll see if the Braves end up re-signing him but even if even if he moves on he'll be he'll be appreciated and loved in Atlanta forever. Have you ever seen a more impressive homer? I know we've seen longer homers, but have you ever seen a, one that was more impressive? I I thought about that in the time. It's hard to say given the given the moment. Obviously, everything is just everything's a little more important. There's a little there's always more. Just emphasis involved when it when it's a postseason series. I know the one that obviously the one that Pujols hit there is massive. But as far as the homers that I have seen, that I have been there for, Acuna uh, he hit one at Truist Park off Garrett Cole last year that went 500 feet. Uh, that was absolutely remarkable. Stanton, we've seen him have a couple of them. I, or I should say, I have being there in person. But it, I mean, yeah. Given the circumstances, I mean, that really, I would certainly say that's one of the top few, and maybe it is number one. I saw the metrics. I was like, only four forty six. Is that because the building got away across the street? I know. <laughs> it, it felt it felt like it was six hundred feet. Man, uh, when he when he hit that. Thing. Before we get rolling here, I want to tell you that the AJC Braves Report podcast is brought to you by Kroger. Kroger's a proud sponsor of the Atlanta Braves, and Kroger's got winning ideas for fans with fun recipes and a great selection of party trays if you're hosting a party or a parade watch party or a Braves World Series celebration party. Visit Kroger.com or your local Kroger store to cheer on the Braves. And I, Gabe, I, th- I think the best comparison to, to this championship is not 95 necessarily, but, but I think it's more like 91 even though the Braves didn't win at all, I think there's a bunch of people walking around Atlanta still that don't really know what to do. You're right, because there wasn't really a – this one didn't really relieve stress, per se, right? Yes. This one, there wasn't as much buildup. And they had been in the playoffs the last three years. So it's not – and obviously they were one – there were a few innings away from making the World Series last year. But given how the season unfolded, I think there was kind of a mentality of this is house money. Um, you know, if they win the division, great. Like, if they can beat the Brewers, great. You know, um, I, there wasn't really a pressure that this is the team. Like, what the Dodgers had been experiencing for several years before they finally won it last year. There's a pressure when you get when you keep getting and you fall short. Even though the Braves had done that, you know, 2018, they came out of nowhere and surprised people. That was that did feel like it was the start of something. Uh, they obviously they got beat by the Dodgers, who were just significantly better than them. So when you start there and you go here, and obviously they got close with the Dodgers last year. This year they beat them, and they didn't even need seven games to do it. So they have certainly progressed. 
but it, it does not have the feel that, again, I was too young. I can't, I obviously can't speak to that, but it does not have that kind of feel of, you know, when Bob Costas yells, the team of the 90s has its championship. That that was not a line that would be associated with this no. team. Um, yeah, there wouldn't be any kind of similar line to that, um, that this team was trying to really get over the hump, even though it was. 95 was kind of the culmination of a four-year journey. They were the best team, and they proved it. But it is ironic, though, that I'd had to go back and say, oh, wait, that was the fourth straight year in the playoffs for the Braves in 91 through 95, and same thing here. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing is when you think about it, they were trying to get over the hump, and this was them getting over the hump, but it just doesn't have it doesn't have that feel to it. And I do think it goes back to just how the year started and what they went through and who they lost. And this really felt like a write-off year. I mean, this really did seem like they were just – they took a step back. Injuries, stuff hit the fans. It just Sometimes it's just not your year. It happens. Regroup for next season. And that's and that was the feel for really for months. Uh, is this thing going to turn around? Here's this big road. They had that they had a big uh, five-game series in New York. And they were talking about that like it was the freaking playoffs. And it, it just had this feel like <clears> – <throat> But but notably, and this is something to, to really take moving forward, just following the sport, they were never really out. Even as, as bad as things were and mediocre as they were, they were still within the, you know, those, those four games. And that's kind of what ended up prompting Alex to do what he did, which we've said this before. I haven't gone through every trade deadline in MLB history. It's safe to say that's one of the best ever. But his, he cited run differential. Now, obviously, their run differential was, uh, was, was the best in the division. And the fact that they were close, and it was clear that the Phillies and the Mets were flawed enough that they just weren't going to run away with this game. So, yeah, so yeah, I mean, bottom line, it, it, they did get over the hump. They had been trying to get over the hump, especially last year when they finally win that playoff series. That felt like it was kind of a – it was a huge moment. They hadn't won one in 19 years. They came just short. They get over it this year. They win the whole thing. But, no, it, it does not have the – it does not have that feeling. It's just a it, – it's, it's really interesting. It's just – but it, nonetheless, it's just jubilation all around. The release, though, is coming from the Atlanta narrative and everything that happened since 95, which is a long stack. And that that almost that feels like the release is the Braves was a bonus, but for Atlanta as a whole, there's finally something to celebrate. Exactly. I agree. And, you know, Dan Feet, who grew, obviously grew up in the area, and, I mean, he said he was in Houston for the Super Bowl. Um, and, and of course, the Braves end up winning in Houston, and he referenced that, and that was not lost on him. And he said, you know, well, the curse has been broken. Well, before he always said there wasn't a curse, so I guess he finally acknowledged <laughs> there was. Uh, so that's a different, that's a separate uh, issue. Uh, so, yeah, I think it was a big relief just for Atlanta to just say, you know, it's for the state. And obviously, uh, Braves fans are stretched far beyond yes. the state of Georgia, but for the people here who, you know, live and breathe all the teams here. This this was this does feel like more so than the Braves getting over the hump. It, it does feel like the city and the region getting over the hump. Here's Luke Jackson around Washington on how they got it done this year from our friends at Channel 2. Some great trades and just a resilient group, man. We, we knew all along if we could win our division and get in, we had a chance, and so we did. We played an unbelievable baseball in the second half. Last month, September, we were unstoppable we were, and timely hitting and good pitching. Gets the job done sometimes. So it just haven't settled in yet, but the thing about the whole situation is I knew 
what we had inside the clubhouse. And those guys knew what we had inside the clubhouse. And when Alex added to it, um, you know, we went on a little roll and we never looked back. We've had a whole generation of talk about like these moments in Braves history and, and these and these marks in lore. You had worst to first, Sid slid, the press box catches fire, and so do the Braves in 93, 95 world title, then Jim Leyritz in 96, and then you kind of lump everything else in there, those great teams that blew it. Will the 2021 trade deadline get its own chapter in that book? I think it should. Uh, I, I certainly think that, well, obviously you can't tell the story of this season without it. Uh, it was the, you know, we're always looking for turning points. I mean, that's kind of a popular talking and writing point. Is, you know, what point did you think things changed or whatever? But the bottom line, if you look at this, the trade deadline was why this team won the championship. Scott Peterson was, you know, you know, they don't have the NLDS MVP, but he was just that against the Brewers. Eddie Rosario was that against the Dodgers and the NLCS. And Solaire was the World Series MVP. These guys came together, and Adam Duvall deserves mention because he was really, really obviously helpful um, for this team and added added that power punch and obviously perfect fit in the clubhouse. They'd already had him, and they were happy to get him back. And, it, it, you know, it, it, probably, it won't be remembered, but they gave up basically nothing to get these guys. Yeah, I mean, um, Bryce Wilson, Bryce Ball, and some other guys I forgot, including Alex Jackson, who may never play the exactly. majors again. People can't even remember them now. This was a few months ago it happened. So years down the road, you know, unless one of these guys turns into just a superstar, um, and we all know the odds of that are pretty low, that's one of the more remarkable things that we don't even mention as much. We talk about the impact of the deadline, but we also mention Alex didn't – he didn't hurt his farm system at all, really, getting this done. And, I mean, these guys were kind of – he just acquired several kind of hungry rental players um, now, Peterson and Duvall have mutual options, and obviously we'll get into that later, uh, roster construction in the offseason and whatnot. But these guys all came together, and they made it work. They fit into the clubhouse. Scott Peterson has been lauded for how he fit in, obviously. He's certainly provided comic relief for reporters, which we appreciate. <laughs> yes. It gives us plenty to write. But it, it really was, uh, again, uh, someone's going to have to, sit down maybe it'll be me and go through all these trade deadlines and you know you can try to rank them or whatever but for a team that won the championship um it's hard to fathom nailing a trade deadline more than more than Alex did and Alex is I mean he's humble about it obviously and he's just he's saying well if I had known that all of this was going to work out I would have told you guys at the press conference on you know July 30th <laughs> so you know it, it ended up that there's luck involved I mean, there's just everything. Sometimes things just all have to fall into place. And we don't see that a lot around in Atlanta sports. But for this team, um, just everything just fell into, fell into place for us. And, and my my analysis of that trade deadline then, which I told some buddies about, was because uh, we didn't have this podcast then, was, well, it's they're kind of going for it on a budget. You know, they got at least major leaguers they can put in the outfield now, which is great because um, they didn't have that before. But, I mean, I kind of thought then the Yankees and the Giants and the Dodgers had all done more because they there was a lot of big stars that were moving around and the Braves didn't get any of them. But uh, I got that one very wrong. Yeah, uh, that was that was kind of the feel. I mean, this was not the year to push your chips in, obviously. Yep. Um, unless they could get a controllable guy, you know. A, you know, a, I know they asked about Brian Reynolds with Pittsburgh, for instance, and and that's a guy who would have made sense moving forward. They were going to have outfield needs. So in that situation, sure. But for the most part, if you're not going to cash in some of these premium prospects, 
what they did, they just kind of went around. They added. They just it was just it turned out obviously to be smart moves. Uh, guys that you know, they, it's not like they took on a ton of money. Uh, they took on seasoned guys, guys who have who have had really good seasons. Rosario's had a thirty homer season. Obviously, Solaire had the big season. Uh, Peterson has been with the Dodgers every year where he knows nothing but winning. They knew what they were getting with Duvall. Even Richard Rodriguez, who's a forgotten man, he did help them for a stretch there after the trade deadline. Sure he did. was important. He helped them out. So he deserves mention, too. And they really liked Stephen Vogt. <clears throat> and that's another guy who, you know, aided the clubhouse and, you know, kind of helped them there for a minute when their catching situation was pretty dire. So they end up giving little for it. I mean, it just really worked out. It's going to be, it's a trade deadline. I really do think. And this is a whole other podcast separately, but I really do think when, when teams, when MLB teams are coming together and this Braves team is, I don't want to call it a blueprint because there's a ton of luck involved, but it does show, it does show reason for not waving the white flag, which teams tend to do now in, in multiple sports, actually. Um, it seems like tanking and, or just we're going to focus on the, like all that kind of stuff becomes popular and it's a way for owners to save money and whatnot. But, but to go for it, when even when you haven't been above 500, you know that entire time to go for it four games that you, you add these guys, it doesn't cost you that much. That's the big thing is a lot of these. You know, the Giants got Chris Bryant, Dodgers get Scherzer and Turner, the Yankees get Gallo, uh, even the Rays got Nelson Cruz. I mean, these are all bigger name guys than what the Braves got, but the Braves got the right people, the right combination of people, and they got it at a, a price that didn't hurt them at all moving forward. So. They're, the, they're a good mix of analytics and kind of old school with Snit and Alex. Uh, the way, obviously, culture, they value culture. Uh, plenty's been written about their shifting. I mean, there's just, I really do think, again, Blueprint is strong because there's, there's always luck involved in any championship. But I do think that they kind of have set an example for a lot of organizations to follow. Yeah, I mean, there's got to be something to learn, right? I mean, the way this team was constructed, and it's like, okay, how did the Braves pull this off? They went from kind of mediocre to world champions in three months. How did they pull that off? Yeah, uh, exactly. And there's a lot, again, there's a lot that goes into it. People, uh, the 88, throw the 88 wins out, who cares? Yeah. They won their division, they got it. I mean, their, their pace afterwards, they were on pace for like 100 plus. I mean, they were every bit, as, they were every bit on the level of the Dodgers and Giants by the end of this thing, obviously. They knocked one of them out. And, you know, it, it's weird to say, but, you know, they lost they lost a lot of guys due to injury. But then, you know, their key guys were healthy going in. The new team they had was healthy. They end up, you know, they had Solaire obviously misses the games due to COVID. And you had lose Charlie Morton to a broken leg. And, and the team just, the togetherness of it, uh, again, you know, you can't, it's hard to measure what culture is. But I think it's evident to anybody just to see that the Braves have a very, very good atmosphere just in their just their whole organization. Uh, again, you can't really measure that, but it's very clear that guys play hard for Snit. It's clear that guys are put into the right spots, into the right positions, and obviously a lot of that goes beyond Snit. And it's it's clear that Alex runs uh, he runs a tight ship, and I mean all these guys kind of came together, and it, it just. I mean, it just worked. I mean, again, it, you can't really, you can't talk about enough in the grand scheme of things, how, how impressive and of a story that this is. I mean, this is not, this is not the Dodgers. I mean, obviously the Dodgers just have an elite player development. I mean, they're just elite at player development. They have oodles of money. You know, they get Mookie bets before last year and they wind up getting over the hump and winning the thing. But 
I mean, this story is far better than any in recent years. I mean, it really is. Want to take a quick second to tell you that uh, the AJC's got all kinds of goodies for your Braves shopping list now because the Atlanta Braves are world champions. And since the 2021 season will be remembered forever, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution is offering collectible editions of our front page coverage. Each limited edition full color page is displayed in acrylic or wooden frame. So it is the perfect gift for you or the Braves fan in your life. Go to AJC.com slash Braves pages to get one or to get all three. Again, that's AJC.com slash Braves pages. And I like this question that Mark Bradley asked Snit after they won on Tuesday. Brian, was there a moment in the postseason where you thought we can do this? Yeah, there was. There, there's a, there, I don't know specifically, um, but I, I think after we got through the first round and, and beat Milwaukee, because I knew what a challenge that was going to be with their pitching. I mean, um, and we won that. And then there's you know, you win a tough game, some close games like we did in Atlanta in the NLCS. And then it's like, you know what? We, we, I think we can pull this off. We're pretty good. We're, we're, we're peaking at the right time. You know, Eddie got hot. The, the pitching got to, was really good, and, and I did. I, I honestly thought, I said, you know what? We can pull this off. I gave a thought his answer was interesting there because, you know, there's a lot of coaches and managers in all different kinds of sports that would say, oh, I, I knew all, all, all along I never gave up. We, we could get through anything and, and I always thought we could win. He gave a real honest answer there because there was a lot of doubt this team could pull this off. Yeah, I mean, if you put yourself in, you know, in his shoes, you're going up against Milwaukee who, um, you know, that Devin Williams loss was big for him. I think that was the first time that people started thinking, well, you know, that's that's pretty big. The Braves might be able to do something here. Um, obviously, uh, there were a lot of people who picked the Braves, so I'm not going to act like that was a, you know, heavily favoring the Brewers or anything. But when you're going up against Burns, Woodruff, Peralta, I mean, that is tough. And inside, and obviously, that stadium uh, with a roof closed was just ridiculously loud that game. And so, if you put yourself, I mean, that's obviously that's a that's a tough that's a tough battle. And then you're playing the Dodgers, who, you know, they've knocked these these uh, additions of the Braves out in uh, in 18 and 20. And, Obviously, they're the reigning champs, and they're the class of baseball. And then you're playing the Astros, who now I do think, you know, I, I think the Braves were just oozing confidence going into the World Series. But certainly, when you look at the slate in front of them, that, that's a really impressive run. There was not, you know, not, you look back at last year, you know, some people thought the Reds could beat them in that, uh, that three-game round, uh, but the Reds couldn't hit. And then they drew the Marlins in the NLDS, which – you know, not to discredit that team because that team was obviously really good. Uh, they couldn't have asked for a better matchup yeah. in the NLDS playing the Marlins. I mean, that's just the reality of it. Uh, this year, there was not a Marlins break here. Um, they beat three really, really impressive teams, and uh, that was it. Was quite a run. Mark said he told you in the press box that uh, if Osario got that hit, that the Braves were going to win the World Series in Game Two against the Dodgers. But when did you really think they could do this? In my, you know what I, I want to say when he said that I was thinking it was it was not I was not as bold as him, but it did cross my mind that if, if this team finds a way to win this game, they're up 2-0. Uh, that's a tough hole for the Dodgers to overcome. I mean, last year they overcame the three-one, but that wasn't a neutral side. It was a little different. Um, it, it was around then I would say um, that I started to believe that this could happen. I think that that walk-off hit in Game Two. You know, Bradley said that, and it kind of, it kind of confirmed what I had started to, kind of started to think about, which, which this team might actually do this. 
And, you know, when we're looking at the Astros entering the World Series, I just, obviously, I picked the Braves, and I picked them in six. I, I couldn't get behind their, their pitching situation and, and the way that the Braves have been pitching. Um, obviously, the Astros lineup is incredible. I did not expect the Braves pitching to do what they did to Houston. That was, uh, I mean, that was remarkable as well. But certainly, uh, <laughs> this was this was the best team in baseball. You can pick whatever point in the second half you you, uh, you want to pick, but they uh, they were the best team in baseball. That's that's one of the, one of the other questions I, I had marked down. Is is I know there's there's always this debate, you know, does the World Series identify the best team of the year or is it just the best team in October? The Braves were obviously not the, well, I guess now we need to say November. The Braves were obviously not the best team from April to November, but I mean, it's it's hard not to argue with this new roster. The World Series identified the best team in baseball. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of, I mean, we always, we like doing these talking points and everything. And that was a big, that was a big conversation during the NBA playoffs last year because, you know, obviously the Mets have injuries and the Lakers have injuries and Nuggets had injuries. It's just, we just start doing this. But there's a reason they play the game, yes. guys. Um, I, mean, there's, I mean, we could sit here and talk about this all the time, but, I mean, you could play – injuries have played a role in every championship ever won. Somewhere along the road, somewhere along the path, injuries played a role. You know, I mean, if you're talking about the best team from – Beginning to end, I mean, the Giants and Dodgers, they won 106 and 107 games, so they were the best teams. Um, but that didn't matter because they weren't the best teams at the end, but they're not the teams that won the championship. So, I mean, great seasons for them. But, yeah, I would rather I would rather just have 88 wins in the championship, obviously, <laughs> than uh, 100-plus wins. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm on vacation. I mean, this uh, wasn't this wasn't that what, 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 what that 2010 car or actually it was later than that that Cardinals team that went 84 and 78 or something and just got lucky. I mean, the Braves left no doubt. I mean, they, they they were clearly better than the three teams they had to play, and they yeah, they, they left no doubt. That's the bottom line. That's the bottom line. I mean, people can dwell the Dodgers. You know, obviously Kershaw was a big loss. The Bauer stuff. That's a that's a that awful situation. They didn't have Dustin May to start the year. Muncy got hurt. I mean, you can play this, but the Braves had injuries too. Yeah. And the Braves did a really good job making up for what they lost. And they went after the trade deadline, and so did the Dodgers. I mean, they got Scherzer and Turner. So, ultimately, the Dodgers' bats just weren't good enough against the Braves' pitching. I mean, that's that's the bottom line. They're having to pitch bullpen games. And then Houston, I mean, certainly. I mean, I don't know how anyone could watch that series and think that Houston was – no. was on the same level as the Braves. I, I just don't. Um, and you could say, well, they lost McCullers, and that was a big loss. Again, the Braves lost guys, too. So this stuff, I mean, it's fun conversation. It's fun to sit around with your friends, have a beer, and argue about it or whatever. But, I mean, there, there's a reason they play the games. The Braves had plenty of injuries. Other teams had injuries. And ultimately, uh, after watching what we just watched, I'm not sure how you could doubt that the Braves were the best team when it mattered most. And to answer my question from a few minutes ago, I didn't really totally believe until game four. And against the Dodgers, I needed one. Yeah. I needed one more. I needed one more win for proof. So, oh well, if they're one win away from the World Series, they they can finish this off, and then all bets are off. Um, I got one more piece of sound though that I haven't played yet from Brian Snitker about where the core of this team has come. They are a special group: Austin, Ozzy, you know, Dansby, Ronald. I remember him watching him um, <clears throat> when I first got this job, and I went to instructional league and seeing him. You know, like who's that kid? You know, um, and 
a lot of these guys, just how they've matured and grown and how mature they were. And they're, like I say, they've had great work ethics and and baseball I, uh, IQ for as long as we've we've had them. And it, it is, it's a special group. And as witnessed that, you know, they're world champions. Gabe seems like so long ago when the only thing the Braves front office could do was pump up the overall prospect rankings of the farm system. And, and that's about all they had. But from that time to now, there was a lot in that process they got right. There sure was. I and mean, we spent years just talking about prospects. Braves fans love their prospects. That's one thing. Like, <laughs> and, and part of that is just being, you know, just being a fan base that loves it. I mean, you want to know everything about the team, right? And in baseball, one of the great pleasures of it, and I see this way the NFL and the NFL draft too, but baseball, you already have the guys. And you get to kind of follow them. And, you know, he's in Rome, he's in Mississippi, he's in Gwinnett. He makes his debut. Maybe he struggles a little bit. He gets sent back down. He finds himself. He comes back up. He's great. You know, I mean, that's really – it's a really rewarding experience um, if you're a baseball fan. Just follow that and, and see how guys grow on your team. And this Braves team is a prime example of it. I mean, Snip just named all these guys. But Braves fans were – you know, obviously they were giddy when the Dansby Swanson trade happened. They were really excited. They were putting him all up on billboards everywhere and everything when he came up. Austin Riley, people really excited about. He's turned out better than anyone could have imagined. Um, I was here uh, for the rise of Acuna, and I did a story on him when he got promoted to Gwinnett and just how big of a deal. I mean, he was the biggest prospect the Braves have had since Hayward, uh, I would imagine. And, and just seeing these guys, uh, I mean, Soroka's hurt, but you know, seeing what Max Freed went through with the blisters. And, you know, I remember when he was promoted, he was promoted straight from Mississippi um, when he got his first promotion and seeing how he's grown up and, and figured things out. And, and Ian Anderson obviously debuted last August. And look at how far he has come in, in, you know, just over a year. So even the Luke Jackson trade. I mean, when you look back and, and just all that era where this team was just throwing guys out there and they were terrible and they were rebuilding, I mean, uh, it, it, it worked like it worked for Houston and the Cubs and whoever else you want to name because they, they assembled so much young talent and it ended up it, – it didn't come together in, a, in the story that we ever would have imagined, but it came together and it worked. But it does prove that you don't have to completely tank and completely get first-round draft picks for several years to, to, to win the World Series. Here's a, here's a trivia question for you. How many players drafted in the first round by the Braves made it to the 2021 World Series roster? Oh, man, off the top of my head. I know that's a cheap that's kinda, shot, but play <laughs> Yeah, yeah, off the top of my head. Um, I actually can't even think of one. Two or, two, two or pitchers. Ian, Ian Anderson and Kyle Wright. Okay, yeah, yeah, Ian Anderson, you're right. And Ian Kyle, Anderson and, went third and Kyle Wright went third. Slot, Kyle Wright sliding under the window there to get on the World Series roster. And the other yeah. the other's Austin Riley, who was a supplemental first-round pick by the Braves that they got in the Craig Kimbrell trade. Yep, you're right. I was thinking of him as a second-rounder. Um, but, for, yeah, 41st yeah, overall. And, that, and that's it, just three. Yeah, I mean, that's again, it's a testament to their trades and player development and obviously uh, Ozzy and Acuna signing. And, you know, you get a guy like Charlie Morton to really stabilize things in the rotation, a guy who, you know, started out with the Braves many moons ago. Um, yeah, it's just. Yeah, I mean, credit again, credit to them. They, the player development with Braves is obviously uh, pretty darn good. All right, so now what's next? Here's Dansby. There's still more to be written, honestly. Um, 
this is just part of it. I feel like this is a this is a chapter, but it's not the end of the book. Um, there's still so much left. Uh, we're just going to soak up and enjoy every bit of this one because it's it's truly it's truly a blessing. We, this is a whole another podcast series, probably. But let's uh, let's start with the baseline, Gabe. What is next, especially with uh, you know her, no, you know who at first base? Well, that's going to be the story of the off season. Now, all eyes center on Freddie. When is this? Uh, when is this deal going to get done? Are they going to get something done before the CBA expires, December first? Because if they don't, then obviously we're going to be waiting a while. Uh, so after Freddie, um, whatever ends up happening there. Um, you have the outfielders. You have Soler, you have Rosario, you have two mutual options here that will be decided soon with, with Duvall and Peterson. I don't think this is going to be like the Tampa Bay Bucks where just you're bringing everybody back and you're just saying, let's do it, let's go for two. Um, that's, I mean, they're not going to bring everybody back. So the question becomes, you know, who should they? What's the value? How do these guys fit? You have Acuna coming back, uh, let's say in May or May-ish. So you have Acuna coming back. Obviously, he's going to fill <clears throat> he's going to fill right field for you. You're probably going to have the DH. We don't know for sure yet, but that's that feels inevitable. So you're going to have the DH. So then can you know Soler? Obviously, um, if you keep him, he would be a candidate there. Rosario could do it. You have Christian Pache, who you know showed that he, he really struggled offensively, but the defensive talent is there. He's one of your top position player prospects. What happens with him? You also have Drew Waters. Michael Harris is on the way. Not that you're going to give any of these outfielders long-term deals anyway. But, you know, how ready are these guys? There's just a lot that's going to go into it. I think you look at the, the rotation. Um, they could certainly use another arm there. Uh, we don't know about a Noah. Is a Noah a guy they're going to want to start with back into the rotation next year? Is he more of a bullpen arm? Smiley's not going to be back. Uh so, you know, certainly they could use another guy there so you're not banking on, like, you know, Kyle Wright or whatever because they've kind of, you know, they've tried that before. I just don't think that's the, the smartest move. And the bench, I believe Adrian's is a free agent. You know, that's a guy that you're familiar with, you know, Swiss Army knife type player. It makes sense if you could bring him back to it, you know, obviously to a pretty cheap deal. So there, there's going to be some tweaks. There's not going to be. You know, it's obviously not going to be a huge overhaul. This team just won the thing, but it's not going to be the same team. It's just going to be interesting to see um, really what happens in the outfield. I mean, that's going to be the story of it all behind Freeman. And for and for Freddie, it's five days after the World Series is over is the Braves' last exclusive right, so that after that anybody can talk to him, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's going to be free to talk to other teams. Again, with, with the CBA stuff looming, I'm just, I'm not sure because a lot of these big market teams, some of these teams that might have interest in him, they're not sure about the luxury tax yet. There's a lot that's going to go into that where these teams are probably aren't going to be eager to be handing out contracts before the CBA agreement is reached. The Braves, I think, are in a different spot. I mean, they don't have, they don't have to worry about a salary floor if there is one. Uh, they're not going to spend near the tax anyway. I just, I mean, personally, I mean, I'm stating the obvious here, but I just feel like it makes so much sense to try to get this done. But I also thought that it would be done before the season started. So, yeah. uh, so we'll, again, we'll just have to see. It's just, uh, no doubt it is, it would be hard to imagine Freeman, especially coming off the, uh, winning a World Series, uh, wearing a different. 
One more quick reminder here before we go that your subscription to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution helps to fund our journalism, and we cannot do it without that, so we thank you there. And if you're not a subscriber, visit AJC.com slash champs and subscribe today. You'll get the most complete Braves coverage throughout the year with unlimited digital access to AJC.com and our e-paper. So check it out at AJC.com slash champs for subscription options as low as 99 cents for the first month. So, Gabe, as we go here, what are you, uh, what are you working on uh, for the offseason now? Yeah, right now I'm just uh, I'm drawing up an off-season kind of little preview, little overview of what we're what we're looking at here, why it won't be, why obviously we're not we're not going to have a, a buck situation where everybody's coming back. There's going to be some changes here, and you know the question: How are these guys going to fit? What are you going to do here? What are you going to do there? And, uh, it's shaping up to be another interesting off-season, and we know you know the storyline is going to shift to how hard it is to repeat. Yep. And obviously, it is extremely difficult. I mean, as everyone says, like, you know, it's tough to win one. Um, it's really tough to, to win two in a row. Um, very few have done it. So uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a fascinating story to see how the, how the Braves feel they should go about trying to uh, – trying to repeat as World Series champs. Don't worry about the offseason uh, next week because uh, right now we got a parade in uh, two different counties to get ready for on Friday. So, uh, Gabe, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll definitely see you at the parade, and, and uh, thank you for, for everything, and uh, congratulations on on terrific coverage uh, with you and the rest of our AJC team with Mark Bradley and Michael Cunningham and uh, Steve Hummer and the launch of our AJC Braves Report podcast, which will continue throughout the offseason. So take care, buddy. Thank you. Absolutely appreciate it. It's been fun working with everybody. All right, so that's it for this edition of the AJC Braves Report. And to help us grow this podcast, we do need your help. We need you to share us, follow us, rate us, review us, and subscribe and tell your friends. If you're enjoying the show, please pass it along so we can continue to do this for free. Enjoy the parade. We'll see you next time. When you're looking for leading cardiac treatment, look to Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with five emergency cardiac care centers, so we're here when you need us most. We lead with more than 55 locations in Georgia. That means we're always in the heart of your neighborhood. We lead with clarity, because clear direction is better when it comes to understanding every step of your treatment. Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with heart. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com.